When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Michael Beller, Jake Seeley, Brandon Funston here with you to wrap up mostly week six. Of course, we got a Monday night game ahead of us later tonight, but we're going to wrap up week six, look ahead to week seven. Big bye week coming in week seven with six teams going on buys. Uh, was a crazy week in week six, a week of the backup running back, which we're going to dive into on this show. Jake Seeley, what's going on, my friend? Yeah, it was. I was more just shaking my head at the wonderful six-week buys and that we're still doing this until week 14. Yeah, and then two teams on buy in week eight. It's like someone's going to have to explain to me the TV implications of this because that's the only thing that makes sense, right? Which it doesn't, not if you think about the week six. If you looked at what's on TV and the schedule for next week, is like, why? Like, you're, it's almost worse. It's and by the way, real quick, I'm still waiting for DirecTV to let you choose the four boxes for the 701 channel. And how do you not waste, like, the 701 four-box channel for the three games at 4 o'clock, mm-hmm. one of the boxes just stays with Ravens win. <laughs> like, you can't you can't throw the red zone in that box or something. Uh, or just, like, or make get rid one of the, the box. boxes bigger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's going on, Funston? How you doing? You, uh, you, did you oh. watch every second of that uh, Geno Smith Ben Roethlisberger, Steelers, Seahawks, oh overtime God. thriller. <sighs> Unfortunately, I did. I just <laughs> I mentioned to you before we came in. It was a game that would never end. Uh, I don't know that anybody wanted that to go into overtime. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like some games you're just loving it and you're like, just let it keep going and keep going. And we we're, I was like, let's just end this thing. Let's just please. I wanted don't it make for it... Claypool, but that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I will admit so I, I did watch it all. I had uh, my two screens were uh, Succession and the uh, Braves Dodgers. So uh, <laughs> you, you didn't know, even have the game on. Sort of took a. I mean, I, you know, I, I checked in here and there, and once the Braves Dodgers game ended, I threw it on. You know, but uh, it was, um, yeah, you know, it was a game that I didn't feel yeah. too bad about passing up after a full day of football. But there was a part of that game that plays into the first theme. I want to talk about here, you guys. Alex Collins going north of 100 yards, scored a touchdown in the Seahawks' loss to the Steelers, and it was the week of the backup running back. As I said, Chuba Hubbard, Alex Collins, Khalil Herbert, Daryl Williams all had good games. Latavius Murray had a good game of his own, but he got banged up in the second half of that one. Devontae Booker didn't quite get there himself, but did own the Giants' backfield. Let's take a look at those five backs, not including Murray, just because of his injury clouding the situation. Hubbard. Collins, Herbert, Daryl Williams, Devontae Booker. I want to hear from both of you guys on this. Jake, rank those five guys going forward. Daryl Williams, and then (laughs) Chuba, Collins, Herbert, Booker. Booker's definitively last. Daryl's definitively first. The middle three, you could argue me any direction. That's why I hesitated as much as I did, because really what it comes down to is Daryl looked so good that we question whether or not Clyde Edwards-Alaire is even going to be the lead when he comes yeah. back, mostly because Clyde Edwards-Alaire didn't even look that great at times heading into this situation. Uh, this similar situation, with like you could talk about the others, is Alex Collins might have made the Chris Carson not coming back into the lead role, maybe a 50-50, but Chris Carson is still so talented. I still think she's involved. Like Worst case for Carson, I think it's 50-50. And the biggest thing is we don't know how bad that neck injury is. Mm-hmm. Khalil Herbert... I would say look good enough to potentially form another 50-50 just as we saw, but they face the Bucks, and if you're going to tell me who the pass catcher is going to be, it's still Damian Williams to trust as the pass blocker. And then with the situation with Devontae Booker being last and Hubbard is the guy until Christian McCaffrey comes back. Like, he's the guy. So that's mm-hmm. why I go that direction. And Christian McCaffrey being out three more weeks gives a little bit of more lean towards Hubbard. But I would still go Daryl Williams because I think Daryl Williams could have the job the rest of the way. Yeah, CEH is, of all these guys that, that were the incumbents, CEH is currently slated to be out the longest, probably. So I'm with you on Daryl Williams. I thought he was his upside was 60 yards and a rushing touchdown. 
I was wrong. His upside is 60 yards and two rushing touchdowns. So, <laughs> um, Let's see. Uh, so I'm going to go Alex Collins, number two, because I think we know that Christian McCaffrey was close to coming back. And they, I think they just exercised caution in Carolina to make sure he's all the way back. And so when the when the IR time is up, I think he's, you know, McCaffrey's just plug and play. Mm hmm. I think the issue with Chris Carson in the neck, I've been scared about that thing. I was like, hey, listen, this is a Seahawks fan who saw Cliff Averill and Cam Chancellor you know, end their careers early because of these neck injuries. And when I see that, I'm like, man, they don't mess around with that. So it, it could be three weeks for Carson, but I – you know, I don't discount that it could be six weeks. So I'll I'll put Collins at number two. But otherwise, I'm with Jake on the on the rest of the order. We've got a question that sort of relates to this too from Corey. Thanks for uh, sending in a question, Corey. Rashad Penny worth rostering? It would have to be a deep, deep, deep league. Is it something you would consider? in something like the Jake? It looks like a big no from you. I mean, I'm probably the biggest Penny fan in the history of forever. And if I'm shaking my head and saying I'm not doing like you're really, I'm done with it, which probably means it's about time. Like the biggest thing is just Richard Penny can't even get on the field himself. Like yeah. that's the yeah. thing. Like if he comes back, they're not going to bench Collins or put him in the backup role for Penny. Best case scenario now is that Penny is the Travis Homer role. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's really what it is. So. I mean, which if, yeah, if you notice, Alex Collins was not on the field there at the end like because you know, when like, they go into that, yeah, pretty much yeah. Like the entire like back half of the fourth quarter and overtime, he didn't see the field. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. if if Collins got hurt too, okay, yeah, Penny, but I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's really what it involves is this. that. Put it this way, Rashad Penny, Royce Freeman, Royce Freeman's worth rostering yeah, sure. because Christian McCaffrey still mm-hmm. isn't back, and that's really yeah. what it comes down to. If something happens to Hubbard, somebody has to be the running back. So I will say this, Fuston, though I'm not. 100% sure that it's, you know, Christian McCaffrey is like, oh, you, we want to make sure he's 100%. We played this game with Joe Mixon last year. Like, I, I'm not, I hope it's not that, but mm-hmm. if Chris McCaffrey all of a sudden, like, actually, Chris McCaffrey just had it happen to him last year. He came back for one yeah. game and then was well, gone he has again. To miss, he like, has to miss two more games, right? Yeah. yeah he this has is to, not yeah, like an MLB back But no, no, no. What I'm saying. The IR situation. Right. No, but what I'm saying is that what if Christian McCaffrey isn't even ready after the IR stand mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. Is well, that like- well I w- I'm just coming from I, I, I edit, you know, Virginia Zakis from Inside Injuries, you know, and I see what her like, you know, what her estimated timeline is and okay. stuff like that. And so just from what she's been saying, this is like the ideal thing that they did because she okay. thought, oh, he's way too, you know, it's way too dangerous mm-hmm. for him to be coming back this early. And so kind of hitting her timeline now with the with the IR stint so well, then that makes me feel a little bit better okay yeah let's get in one more question on the this group of guys this one coming from uh, Jiggles 3 thanks Jiggles I can't help but uh, smile a little bit when reading your uh, YouTube handle there Damian Williams what do we think of him back in I mean you, you mentioned it Jake it's a matchup with the Buccaneers for the Bears yeah. but I mean Damian do Williams we think time. Damian Williams steps right back in as the more yeah. primary-ish guy ahead of Khalil Herbert and I would say, and I'll hey, I'll admit I was wrong next week if that's not the case. But I'll say I would not even have a doubt in my mind because it's COVID. It wasn't mm-hmm. it, it wasn't an injury, and he it wasn't well. like he, he played got well, well last week. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. He played well. Herbert looked great in both games, and you know I love Herbert. But mm-hmm. we're talking about this is also because of the matchup. It's it's Miles Gaskin, but a better situation. They're basically the Broncos. With a with a Williams, there yeah. you go. They have yeah, Williams and Herbert. Although Herbert's a lot better than Melvin Gordon at this point, but it's a fifty fifty split. And if you're going to a game where you're expected to have to pass and needing mm-hmm. pass blocking, that's Damian Williams because Herbert's still a rookie and Herbert's still not quite adept in that level. That game is going to get ugly, ugly for the Chicago Bears. Fun tonight. I know you want to jump in here, so I'll let you jump in. Well, on a different I, question. I wanted to ask you about how you feel about still being owned by Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's it, it, I, I, to be honest, I, I laughed. I, I laughed when you could hear the audio so clearly if you were watching the game. I know, and that was like, great. Yeah, he, he's right. <laughs> like, who, who would? Who Miller, would do, you, do you agree with my tweet? That? Do you agree with my tweet that it's it's sad that Aaron Rodgers owns this team more than Nagy does? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean he owns this team more than anyone has in my lifetime. It's number two would be Brett Favre. Frankly, uh, it's just uh, been thirty years, three decades of uh, Packers Hall of Fame quarterback dominance of the Bears. That's just that's just how it's been. And yeah, I mean any any Bears fan who wants to be sad about that, it's like I mean. He's right, so uh, can't really get too upset about it, I don't think. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm all in on a villainous Aaron Rodgers just putting the Packers on his back and marching them to like a 14-3 and season. So uh, I've really got no problem with that, especially when don't have huge high hopes for the Bears this year. Funston, who won week six? 
Uh, honestly, I had a hard I had a hard time coming up with who won than who lost it, but um, I'm going to actually go a guy we already talked about, Daryl Williams. Uh, as Jake mentioned, like he he showed out at 24 touches in the first game without CEH. It was used in the passing game, used at the goal line, and maybe you know, as Jake said, maybe CEH doesn't come back and take his job back the way he had it. Yeah. So, um, so I, I mean, from a fantasy standpoint, you can kind of make that case and getting a you know a new lead back for the top offense in the league is kind of a big deal. So I'll, I'll go with Daryl Williams. Yeah, thanks for that. I said I was gonna. I said I was gonna loop in my who won and who lost in the same answer, and I was gonna say Daryl Williams won and Clyde Edwards-Alaire lost, and so because you know, but I could say the same thing about Chris Carson. So I'll pivot. I look. This is how good I am. I can pivot that quickly. Look at this guy. Jalen Waddle. He's like Hakeem Olajuwon. Jalen Waddle won. Hakeem Olajuwon. Waddle won in a loss, <laughs> which also the Jaguars technically won. And Trevor Lawrence is the first rookie quarterback to ever win in London, baby. Uh, there you go. Uh, no, Jalen Waddle won. Is that was definitively his breakout game? And going forward, whether or not Devontae Parker's back, whether or not Kasiki keeps being a thing, who by the way was out there for fewer snaps than Duran Smythe still. So sell high on Mike Kasiki. There you go. You're you're gonna that. lose. You're gonna be on the loss column if you think that you're you got Kasiki going for. But Jalen Waddle finally got to see what he saw. Uh, I would say he's in the conversation of Brandon Cooks and, you know, that wide receiver two range going forward. Yeah, I'll throw one there out one out there too as well. Guy who we pretty much knew was already in this camp and now after what he did in week six, I think there's finally no doubt we can finally trust that Leonard Fournette is the guy in Tampa. And uh, you know, we were already trending in that direction, right? But now we're talking about him not just as the guy in Tampa, but as you know, a top fifteen running back, top twelve running back. Let me see. Okay, let me see if you season. agree. Yeah. I said this with Meany on my show. I would take Leonard Fournette over DeAndre Swift rest of the season. 100%. I wouldn't even think twice about it. Without question. Funston, do you agree with us? I would think twice. It's not that I don't disagree. I would think twice. I think it's a good I think it's a good argument. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I'm going to put a pin in that one. I mean, <laughs> no, the offense. DeAndre Swift? Yeah, I mean, if it's an look offer at DeAndre Swift the past I have, two weeks. If, if it's an offer to me and I have – uh, Leonard Fournette, I, my answer to that person offering is, I'll think about it. I'll get back Give to you. Give me 24 and hours. And say yes, two days later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I'll be like, oh, yeah, the Buccaneers offense and the Lions offense. Does it really well, matter? And, you know, I am I always say don't like you can't take away garbage time. But yeah, if not for, sure. for garbage time, two weeks in a row, mm-hmm. DeAndre Swift is nothing until that point. Yeah, and that has to have you scared. Although I think there's going to be plenty of garbage time to come for well, the Lions this season. All right, guys, I want to jump in to waivers for Week 7. This is something Funston and I talked about a little bit when we were wrapping things up on Sunday night, and I want to get into it a little bit more here on this show. Let's start with Rashad Bateman. I think he's the most interesting guy on waivers this week. Funston and I already had our time to talk about him on this show yesterday, so Jake, why don't you take this one? What are you thinking about with Rashad Bateman, and what is shaping up to be a pretty paltry week on the waiver wire? Mm, Pick him up and trade him. The same thing we would have done before this week is pick him up and trade him and now continue. Now you might actually, if you didn't trade him already and if you didn't pick him up already, too fully, you could possibly get even more. The problem it comes down to is, yeah, so Sammy Watkins was out, but it really comes down to you're still third best because you have Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown. And I love what the Ravens are doing this year and that they are passing more. And we talked about it last week, too, is that when you have teams playing cover two, trying to limit Marquise Brown, you just open it up for Lamar Jackson to run all over you, which pulls it. And that that's what's opening everything up for them. But Marquise Brown is still the number one. I like Bateman, but I still think he's going to be a wide receiver four going forward. So that's why I think a lot of people by name value and the excitement, especially from the fantasy and draft community, put a higher stamp on him than that. And so wide receiver four, yes, usable. You don't have to trade him if you need him. But if you can get somebody who's going to think, oh, top 25, he's about to be Jalen Waddell, mm-hmm. then immediately trade him. Funston, Baltimore backfield, something you and I talked about last <laughs> night. Let's circle back to it here. I mean, Latavius Murray does have the injury. We'll see uh, how serious it is over the next, you know, hopefully we get something in the next 24 hours or so. Are you doing anything with the backfield if we get word that Murray's going to miss some time? I already got a claim in for Devonta Freeman in one league because I'm just so hard up and need need a body. This Dallas Cowboys buys killing that team uh so yeah it's not going to be 
Tyson Williams. Look, at, I mean, he keeps getting deactivated. I talked about it on the pod yesterday. Whether it's they don't trust him uh, in the RPO and the mesh point issues that were rumored to be something that they were worried about uh, earlier in the year, whatever. They just keep going to the, the old guys. And uh, Devonta Freeman was the lead guy of those old guys when Latavius Murray was out. So, I mean, I, Williams is going to be activated, but I don't I don't think he's just going to be shoved into a, a leading role. So I would I would lean Freeman for sure. Jake, do you feel the same way about this backfield or is it just a stay away? If, even if we get word that Latavius will miss time. This is the 2020 Buccaneers. Stay the hell away. <laughs> if you haven't learned your lesson about trying to chase. Uh, I mean, we're desperate. And 16 buys, I understand it, and mm-hmm. I would agree with Funston for that. If Murray is out, I mean, that's the big one, yeah. if Latavius Murray's out. If Latavius Murray's in there, I, I, even a 16 buy, I don't know how desperate I need to be to chase down this backfield, yep, including the Dolphins' sure. backfield. But mm-hmm. you're just you're going to be chasing production, and it's going to be very few weeks where all three of them get the score. All right, we're also going to be looking for some news over the next 24 hours or so on T.Y. Hilton. Jake, if the news is good, how do you feel about T.Y.? Four catches for 90 yards in his first game back from the injury. I saw some of the news right after the game being good. Is that the only reason he wasn't actually hurt is that they were just not letting him play the entire game because it was his first game back. And when they highlighted him on the field, when he came off or on the sidelines, when he came off, he was walking around, he's just walking around like normal. So the, the speculation was that it was just limiting him. So unless we get bad news, uh, T.Y. Hilton should have been picked up. He shouldn't have played him in the first game back. But if you did, hey, it worked out for you. The biggest thing about this is that he was that involved in his first game back. And now we have some concerns for Michael Pittman because T.Y. Hilton came back and mm-hmm. if nothing else is shown that he's going to at least push for half of the opportunities in Pittman. If not, he's coming back potentially as the number one because they did what they did late last year, too. Granted, it wasn't with Carson Wentz, but they used him differently towards the end of last year instead of just saying, hey, you're T.Y. Hilton beat everybody deep like Marquise Brown when they started running him in some different routes. And Hilton kind of bounced back like Larry Fitzgerald did late in his career. Differently, but similar mm-hmm. fashion and that they used him differently. So, yes, go get T.Y. Hilton. I would actually prefer T.Y. Hilton to Bateman. Okay. Thunston, what do you think? Hilton versus Bateman? Yeah, I, I, agree on, I agree on that. I'm going I'm going Hilton over Bateman as well. And, I, I mean, I really don't have anything to add to what Jake just said there. But uh, I, and, and in my mind, I was thinking a little bit. I mean, Michael Pittman was about ready to get on a roll. I mean, he was already starting to roll <laughs> mm-hmm. and then kind of – T.Y. Hilton just came out and slowed that role, so uh, a little bit concerning there. All right, guys, a couple of tight ends I want to ask you about, too, and let's keep this moving fast. We're doing a good job moving through this one with some pace. Zach Ertz going to be joining the Arizona Cardinals, or already has joined the Arizona Cardinals, but should get active next week. We've also got Ricky Seals-Jones coming in with a couple of big games in place of Logan Thomas. Funston, if you can have one of these two tight ends, who are you prioritizing? Mm, Man, I think I'm going to go Ricky Seals-Jones. Um uh, you know, I don't I don't know where Zach Ertz fits sort of like Max Williams was starting to fit. But, um, you know, I don't know if. Yeah, it's it's tight. I really just want to talk about Dallas Goddard right now. That's really what yeah, I want to talk all about. All right. Talk about him. Uh, top six tight end, Jake. Are you ready? No. Are you in? No. Oh, come on. Mike Kosicki <laughs> or Dallas Goddard rest of the year? Oh, Dallas Goddard. OK. All right. Uh, just want to see. I, I'm, I'm, t- I'm well. Top six is top seven. I'll, I'll give him top seven. I just love Dallas Goddard now with uh, no Zach Ertz. Yeah, we all do. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I don't. God, I'm, I'm leaning Ricky Seals Jones here. It's really close. I don't know if I have a good reason why, other than uh, I keep seeing him. You know, the, even the game before when he didn't do anything, he was getting red zone looks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, regularly. He's basically getting Logan and, Thomas's role, right? Yeah, exactly. They basically so, didn't change anything. Uh, I, I like the upside of that when there's a lot narrower amount of people involved in the passing game. So uh, give me Ricky Seals-Jones. Uh, for all that, and I'll keep it actual quick since you just took five <laughs> hours on that one. <laughs> That's what I, mean. I was vacillating. Uh, it's Ricky Seals-Jones, and it's not close because he is the number two in that passing game of all the other mess that's going on there. So it's Ricky Seals-Jones by a mile. The only difference is why Earth even comes in this conversation is because Ricky Seals-Jones has Logan Thomas returning. So, yeah. but I'll, Well, that's I'll what chase. I was. I was trying yeah. to remember how long Logan Thomas is supposed to be out. Is, it's tight end. I'll chase the immediate production for <laughs> yeah. the weeks that okay. Ricky Seals Jones continues to be the number two. And it seems, I mean, they put him on IR. He's already missed two games. It sounded like, though, when they first put him on IR, they, they were expecting it to be about a four week absence. So maybe at least two more weeks that Logan Thomas is going to be out. And Fitz can come back next week. Yeah. That, yeah, there's another one. So uh, maybe we get a little bit of a elevation 
of the uh, Washington offense. No offense to the jersey hanging behind you there, Jake. Uh, <laughs> three three running backs I want to uh, discuss really quickly. We don't even need to touch on all of them. Mark Ingram, there's been volume for him unquestionably in Houston's back. I mean, we had six teams on by. We have to talk about it. Six teams on by, all these running back injuries. Uh, we got to talk about it. Mark Ingram's getting volume. Dearness Johnson. Kareem Hunt left that game with an injury. Nick Chubb, can he turn it around quick enough with the Browns playing on Thursday night against the Broncos? And then Ramondre Stevenson working into the New England offense, even though Damian Harris did have himself a 100-yard game. Uh, Funston, any of these three guys beyond a min bid for you this week? I, I'm telling you, I'm 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 interested in a Ramondre Stevenson. Um, I, I think that the New England set up to be a two-back backfield, and it might just be Ramondre Stevenson moving up into like a 35%, 40% role when it's all said and done, and and potentially getting, you know, getting into that mix for goal line, and and weirdly he was you know catching passes, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not saying you know this is going to be bad for Damian Harris. I just think that New England, because they play defense, because they have a young quarterback that they don't want to throw a ton, uh, that they could just be one of these teams that is a conservative, run-heavy team, and re- there's room for Ramondre Stevenson back there. So he's the guy that excites me the most of those three. Yeah, you ruined. You could do the Wheel of Fortune before and after. It could a two-back field. Like you had, the, like it was right there for you. You didn't have to repeat the back. <laughs> it was, it was Wheel of Fortune before and after. Everybody, the people that watch Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> so, uh, no, it's, Deion, it's Dearness Johnson for me because even if it's a one week play, it's Thursday night football. It's uh-huh. Dearness Johnson had one opportunity to be the lead last year and looked pretty good doing so. And it's clear that Felton is that gadgety role type mm-hmm. of play, mostly in the passing game. Don't know why they're doubling down with him and Schwartz, but. Uh, Truth is, if it's Dearness Johnson, I would rank Dearness Johnson in front. Of, like I would still put Harris in front of Johnson, but I put Johnson in front of Stevenson. I put Johnson in front of Mark Ingram, despite the fact that it was a blowout game where Ingram saw that use, and it should be another blowout this week. But I still don't want to touch that back, and I still don't want to touch Houston. Yeah, that's totally understandable. And our buddy Nando is just so excited about Dearness Johnson. You guys, he was trying to make a case for Dearness Johnson alongside Nick Chubb last year, which I, I remember fondly. Not sure that's ever going to happen, but he's got to be pumped up. For How many why does, why does it Nando them? like like starters that are good? <laughs> why, does he, why does he always like the backup guys? If you are a yeah. mediocre talent, fourth in the depth chart, <laughs> Nando loves you. Nando yes. absolutely loves you in that scenario. Let's get to some news, you guys. Uh, putting waivers to bed. Let's get to some news. Probably the most disappointing performance from a team in week six was the Los Angeles Chargers just getting the door is blown off them, run out of Baltimore, 34-6. to Is there anything in this performance, Jake, that concerns you about the Chargers, or is it just chalk it up to one bad game, wipe your hands of it, and move on? Yeah, mostly that. Uh, this is what it comes down every single week. You know what the funny thing is, is if they were facing the Patriots, the narrative would have come in, and Bill Belichick does this to all the young <laughs> quarterbacks and all the blah. No, this is why like any team can go out there and game script perfectly, and really what they did, if you watch the Ravens games, their defense has been suspect the entire time, uh, mainly in the passing game. But they just kind of focused in on, you know what, let's get to Herbert. Let's basically double cover like Williams and kind of pull somebody down underneath for Keenan Allen too. And they just, they kind of played the perfect game plan, but this is what Mm -hmm. it comes down to is like Justin Herbert last year is as a rookie quarterback, the last four or five games of the season's defense has started to adjust to him and he adjusted back this year. The chargers coaching staff, Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, they're all smart enough. They're heading into their bye. They're going to get a lot of learning out of this game and saying, if we just gave people a blueprint on how to stop us, this is what we need to adjust. And similar to your Seahawks, Funston, as they did in halftime, they came out looking like a completely different team. I think the Chargers are going to come back out of the bye looking like the Chargers we knew. I'm not nervous at all on a scale of 1 to 5, 1 to 10. Whatever it might be, it's 1. <laughs> yeah, I just was from what I saw, Justin Herbert never looked comfortable. It looked like mm-hmm. one of those just off days. And, and as Jake said, you know, Baltimore came out with a good game plan for it. But I, you know, I think it was just a bad day for Justin Herbert, and that's about it. Yeah, we're unanimous there. Uh, 38-3 to Packers loss in week one to the Saints. That is a distant memory at this point, and I think that's similar to what we look at with this Chargers game. It's a bad game against a good team. It's going to happen. Don't think we really have any reason to be concerned, and probably a very well-timed bye week for these Chargers, as you point out, Jake. We've already heard from Jake on Jalen Waddle, someone who I do want us to talk about in a little bit more depth. So, Funston, let's go to you here. It was a big game 
over in London for Jalen Waddle. 13 targets, caught 10 of them for 70 yards and a pair of touchdowns. This is a Miami offense that is hunting for playmaking outside. Is Jalen Waddle the guy for them to the extent that you are comfortably starting him where you have him in fantasy leagues? Well, I, you know, the yards per catch, he has a lot of high volume, but not high yardage kind of, you know, outputs. Life um, with Tua. Yeah, that's life with Tua. And then what's life with Tua and then also Devontae Parker and also Will Fuller. And, you know, so I think, you know, it's is this a, a sell high moment? You know, really, it could be. Um, you know, I, I like Jalen Waddle, the talent. And I think he's going to continue to be a serviceably good fantasy player. But like. What's the upside if all those guys are back? So I, I'm, you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm a little bit worried about that. I don't think all of them are ever going to be back. That's what it really comes down to. <laughs> no, and and if honestly, no, I, if, it's like the Giants receivers. Like, when are they going to all but, be healthy no, no, together? So, yeah. Well, no, even if they are. So that's I'm glad that's what you said because similar to the Giants, even if they all are, Sterling Shepard is the one I want, and mm-hmm. the same thing. Even if they all are. Jalen Waddle is the one I want. You know, maybe if every single, if Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, and all of them, maybe he drops down to a wide receiver three, similar to Shepard. But no, I think that's your worst case scenario. No love for Grease there, you guys? I have never seen that movie. You've never seen Grease? I know those, I know what you just referenced with the song, but yes, I've never watched. I have never chosen and sat down to watch Grease. I mean, it's it's obviously before you're in my it's before old. you're in my time, but like that's just something I feel like you just eventually see at some point in your life. No, I'm also not. A musical I, I, I don't recommend that you personally, Jake, just sit down by yourself. Yeah, and watch yeah, it. I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend that. No, either. you don't have to worry about it. But if you <laughs> have if you have a friend over fifty and he's no. hanging around, then you can no. throw it on there, and he might get you singing along. If I had a girlfriend. She she was like, we need to watch Grease. I'd be like, enjoy it. I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> uh, maybe right. there's the answer to your problems there, Jake. Um, let's get on to uh, – Let's get uh, – I want to ask you guys about James Conner. Uh, we know Chase Edmonds came into this game with a bit of an injury, so that obviously uh, is something we have to think about. But James Conner got 16 carries in this game, and we've been talking about him as a totally touchdown-dependent player. And, I, that, I mean, that still holds. He turned the 16 carries into 71 yards. He didn't find the end zone. He didn't do much in the passing game. And so it's not the greatest game you could ask for. But do you take him a little bit seriously with these 16 carries, Funston? Or, again, is this just a function of one game, Edmonds came in a little banged up, this is not going to be something that lasts for him? I don't know that, you know, I think that everything that we've said in the preseason is spot on. Like James Conner's going to split the backfield workload. He's going to probably be a little bit higher volume in the in the carry department. Chase Edmonds will be higher volume in the in the passing game and James Conner's going to get the goal line, you know, carries and that's just playing itself out. And you mentioned Chase Edmonds, you know, not being 100% or over the last couple of weeks and it's probably played a little bit into the extra volume, but really it is the narrative that we sort of pegged this backfield for. So it's just it's playing out. Yep, it's Edmonds was banged up. Also, they had mm-hmm. the lead for the majority of the game. It's just Jim, I mean, the entire you know, game. Right? Ed- yeah, the well, entire I mean, season. It got, it got a little bit close. They've led in the, the entire quarter. season. <laughs> yeah, the the second quarter it got mildly close. Is what uh-huh. I, that's why I was pointing to there. So yeah, yeah, I'd say that's all it is. It's you're trying to predict what the game script is going to be for them. So maybe you know when they face, do they face the Bucks this year? But in like those kind of games. So this week against Houston should be another James Conner game. Yeah, you're and, looking at the schedule. Check the schedule. Do they? Nope, no Bucks, no. But Just they have a week fifteen. They have a week fifteen game against Detroit, which well, so oh they, they have the Packers. So maybe a little bit more Edmonds in that game. Uh-huh. Uh, if Russell Wilson's back for the Seahawks game, the Rams game. There's a few in there where you could see more Edmonds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dallas maybe. in week seventeen. Yeah, there you go. All those could uh, line up, and hey, this could be. Wait, some the week seventeen that we actually play, or the week seven, like week eighteen? The, the, no, the week seventeen that we okay. play. Our the week seventeen that matters. <laughs> yeah. That could yeah. that could matter quite a bit to those teams too, right? I mean, with the way yeah. those two teams are shaping up, that could be a big game for them. Um, let's talk about one more team from a, a sort of a different standpoint here. I do want to talk about the Bears uh, from. With this in mind, right? So, so far the Bears this season, points allowed. Week one, they gave up 34 to the Rams. Then in week two, 20, or 17 to the Bengals, 26 to the Browns in week three, 14 to the Lions in week four, nine to the Raiders in week five, and then 24 to the Packers yesterday. Every single game for the Bears, including that game where they gave up 34 to the Rams, has come in under the total. So the Bears sort of seem like a fantasy decelerator, as I've written on the screen here. And Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, they mostly got theirs. No touchdown for Devontae Adams. 
But is this something we need to think about? I mean, Aaron Rodgers in that yes. offense is a special beast. Do we need to think about the Bears as a team that, because of what they do on both sides of the ball, Jake, are going to slow things down and maybe not create a great fantasy environment for your players going against them? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's why I have Aaron Rodgers as a top 10 quarterback this week is because they are going to run, 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 which gets the clock ticked down, and they're going to play good defense, which, again, Aaron Rodgers kind of did his Aaron Rodgers thing. A lot of quarterbacks probably can't even do what Rodgers did yesterday because of how good the defenses look this year. But the defense is good. The offense is just draining, and I mean clockwise. So, yes, mm-hmm. you do have to consider this. You know, it's the reverse Arizona. The more plays you're out there for, the more fantasy options you have. And when this happens the reverse, this is why you get away from it. Like, for opponents facing the Ravens, it always is not always a good thing. Like, it just happened to the Chargers, if you know, because they run out the clock despite having a lot of plays. It's going to be hard to knock Tom Brady out of your top 10 this week, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I said yeah. most. <laughs> well, yeah. especially, I mean, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but just look at the teams that are yeah. on by this week, right? Josh Allen's on a bye. Dak Prescott's on a bye. Kirk Cousins is on a bye. Just, Justin Herbert's on a bye. I mean, there's four guys who, I mean, three are slam dunk, no doubt about it, starters. And Kirk Cousins, if you've been uh, riding him, you certainly haven't been upset. So uh, it's going to be a tough week at the quarterback position for a lot of people, which is why. No, but speaking of their bye, they get Baltimore out of their bye. That might, both teams might get 45 plays in that game. The Who gets Baltimore out of their bye? Chicago. Oh yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a, a very quick moving game. That game might sure. be over by three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's get to some buy or sells. Let's talk some buy or sell players coming out of week six. I want to start off with Javante Williams and Jake. I know you you are right. I think when you say this with the drum you've been beating for the last couple of weeks, don't trade your running backs. This is uh, you can never be too deep at this position. But obviously, Javante Williams, it feels like he's maybe not going to totally pull away from Melvin Gordon and put him completely in the dust. So is there a scenario in which you could see trading Javante Williams, depending on what's being offered on the other side? Yeah, I can see selling or buying Javante Williams. And that's really what it comes down to is like playing the stock market. It depends on what you're getting. If somebody's going to buy Javante Williams is what we were hoping for is by week six or seven, he was going to be the lead and thinking he's going to be a top 20 the rest of the season, then you sell. Mm -hmm. If somebody is, I can't deal with this anymore, it's too much of a headache, and wants to give him to you for an RB3 cost, then you buy. So it really depends on where you sit and what your league is looking at, and that's why you kind of float out different conversations with different people. And you can actually be on both sides of that, because I think this is what we have going forward. Fringe RB2, Mm -hmm. they're splitting this backfield near evenly. He has continued to look better than Melvin Gordon, gets another big run. But it just comes down to until Melvin Gordon like, severely gets hurt. And now Mike Boone's in the mix, by the way, a little yeah. bit too. Right. So I would say I lean more sell than buy because still the excitement of what he could be. And we want it to happen. But I, I could see buying or selling Javante Williams. I mostly agree. I would say I would probably be more leaning to the buy um, because even if he continues in this role, like I don't usually look at a, like a schedule and just say, oh, that's going to just totally influence me. But mm-hmm. when he comes out of his buy, I don't know if any running back has a better schedule setup for a, you know, a two month span than Javante Williams. And I know you'll have to share it with Melvin Gordon, but it could be good for both of those guys. And maybe Melvin Gordon's a pivot here. Maybe Melvin Gordon's a buy because no one's asking you to pay as much as they went for Javante sure. Williams. And, and Nobody maybe <laughs> maybe the, the roles won't change. They're like almost exactly 50-50 in terms of touches. Yeah, it's been true pretty much every week this season. It was true again in the loss to the Raiders in week six. How about Adam Thielen, you guys? Mike Boone's old team. Let's go to uh, Adam Thielen here. His first really big yardage game of the season. I guess you go back to week one when he had 92 yards and two scores, but this was another huge one for him. 11 catches for 126 and a touchdown. The four games before this, 39 yards, 50 yards, 46 yards, 40 yards. I think it was just last week that we talked about him as a touchdown dependent wide receiver three on paper Funston this feels like a good time to sell is that something that you would be indulging in yeah and I don't want to disparage Adam Thielen like that touchdown he caught was amazing it oh was, my god was, he was already falling down before he got it, it yeah crazy but yeah. but Justin Jefferson's the better talent at this point in their career and this is a run heavy team and I just went back and looked at Adam Thielen's game log because he had how many times has he had 10 or more targets in the last 31 games it's been six times one out of every five games I was looking at Justin Jefferson how many times has he had 10 or more targets he was a rookie last year obviously he's played 22 games he's had 10 or more targets in 10 of them like 
that's clear that over the course of time, I mean, Justin Jefferson's guy that's going to get fed and Adam Thielen's going to go back to being more of that TD dependent guy. I don't think that we're moving on from those 40 and 50 yard games uh, for Adam Thielen where he's, you know, four catches, 45 yards, touchdown, whatever. But uh, I would be selling. I'd be selling off of this big time. And because I, I don't know if you can sell, but if you can, obviously for somebody that wants to kind of give Warvisi or top 15 value maybe but i think a lot of people at this point it depends on your league right and that's why i say i always push back and say not my league well of course you know you know, a lot of people can though a lot of people traded cordell patterson for dalvin cook while he was hurt you know these kind of things happen but you said that the 50 yards actually if you say 51 yards or fewer <laughs> last year funston half of his games yeah. eight games 51 or fewer yards he is tyler lockett tyler lockett is adam thielen adam thielen is, <laughs> I, I, what is it? Design one. Fake those Einhorn. Thank you. Exactly. This is the same guy. So wide receiver twos at the end of the year, but you put him out there as your wide receiver three and you ride the roller coaster. Don't try to play the matchups and predict them. Just keep them in your lineup. All right. This one says buy or sell also, but there is no sell case. Can you make a buy case for Tyler Boyd, Jake? No. Done. No. No. The, the, like the only buy case is if you think T. Higgins is going to miss time again. He is clearly the number three when everybody's healthy. And T. Higgins even had a quiet game, but Tyler Boyd was quiet as well. T. T. Higgins is definitively the one and two with Jamar Chase. Tyler Boyd's left out of the equation. He'll have a few games, but I'll say this buy if somebody's willing to drop him. If somebody's willing to just give him away for nothing, sure. Yeah, I mean, I was I was quickly trying to look up the stat, but there's a there's a damning stat for Tyler Boyd when T Higgins is in the lineup, and it's just and Tyler Boyd is the number three. Mm-hmm. The, the, the production is not good. So when those guys are healthy, it's like that's he, the stat. It's not good. It's just not good. <laughs> yeah, that's all. The it bottom says. line not is it's not good. good for Tyler Boyd. So yeah, right, someone who was that. someone who it was very good for in week six was CD Lamb. A big game, the walk off touchdown in overtime I, uh, similar to what you said Jake with Javante Williams obviously yes. there's a continuum of players right or there's a continuum of value and like you sort of hit a point where it's like if it's yeah. higher than this buy if it's lower uh-huh. than this sell so what Jake is the kid like where what's the breaking point like where are you buying C- lamb and where are you selling lamb Selling CeeDee Lamb just like we did in the preseason. If somebody is going to say, oh, CeeDee Lamb breakout, which a lot of people did, I myself included, said he was going to be a breakout wide receiver, but it was that wasn't an uncommon thing to say. Somebody's going to give you like top eight, like DeAndre Hopkins, Justin Jefferson, like those kind of wide receivers, you get away from them. If not, you hold them until you get to that point, and then when it reverses course like it just did a week and a half ago, and people are like, oh, my God, CeeDee Lamb is just going to be inconsistent all year long. I'll trade him away for wide receiver 20 value. Then you go buy him. So right now, go field offers if somebody's back onto that because of the name value and how many people were on him in the preseason, and you can get – I would go out there and try to trade – straight. put it this way. I know it's iffy weeks when he comes back, but Funston, CeeDee Lamb or DK Metcalf? Um, but you yeah. hesitated, and that's the point. And <laughs> yeah. I, I'd probably still go Lamb just because we don't know when Wilson's I, back. Russ, yeah. But that's the, you might be able to get DK plus because of the perception about Lamb. Yeah, I wanted to talk about Lamb because what was it? Week one, he ran a lot in the slot when Michael Gallup was healthy. Uh, when Michael Gallup who's coming back, who's coming back? So Lamb's, you know, we, I would assume he's going to go back into the slot a lot more often. What does that do for Dalton Schultz? who kind of seems to be, you know, taking advantage of being the guy in, across the middle right now. Do you think Here's that's going to slow is that is that a sell high on Dalton Schultz? Oh, I would definitely sell high on Dalton Schultz, too. But I'll give you mm-hmm. one. Would you trade away CeeDee Lamb for Mike Williams on his buy coming off a down game? I think that's a great – I think that's a that's a challenge deal. I think those yeah. guys yeah. are right there. But that's I'd that's rather, the point. It's like two, two weeks ago you couldn't do that with Lamb, but now you can. Uh-huh. And then I'd it's going to go back I'd again. rather have Lamb. Okay. <laughs> Just betting on the offenses, betting on Dallas, betting on the, the volume in that passing game really more than Lamb anything. Lamb or the players. <laughs> Lamb or Debo? Uh, Lamb. I'd rather have Lamb. Hmm. I love Lamb. Interesting. I love Lamb. What can I say? <laughs> uh, one more I want to get to here. Uh, then I'm going to go to Jake first again. Sorry, Funston, but I know Jake's got a take on this one. I saw it on Twitter yesterday. Buy or oh. sell Chase Claypool. <laughs> you can have my firstborn because I don't have one. <laughs> you can have. I'm going after Chase Claypool everywhere possible because he still had all the targets going his way. Ben Roethlisberger and Claypool just couldn't get on the same page. And 
easily could have had 80-plus yards in that game. And people are like, well, Ben's still his quarterback. And Ben was his quarterback the two weeks prior when Claypool went off the two weeks prior, including one of the games with Juju Smith-Schuster, who is now out for the rest of the season. Yes, there's going to be some games like we just saw where Ben can't get right and things just go sideways, but that's Ben Roethlisberger. But for the people panicking about Claypool, please, he is out there more than anybody except for Deontay Johnson. So, And Claypool also missed a little bit of time in the beginning of that game, being a little bit banged up. So, yes, give me all the Claypool. Yeah, I originally had quickly wrote down Chase Claypool as one of the losers of this week, but I actually had erased that because of what you said. I mean, Jake, I, in my mind, I was like, oh, he actually – it couldn't have – didn't have to be as bad as it was on, no. on Sunday night. So here I'll give you uh, one. I would trade Sutton for Claypool in a heartbeat, and I am oh, you know this one of the biggest okay. Sutton. Fa- yeah, because yeah. I am one of the biggest. How much of that is Jerry Judy coming back? There you go. Judy's coming back. Yeah. I think Fant's going to be phased out, similar to uh, Tyler Boyd again in that situation. But still, Judy just takes a little bit away from Sutton. Uh, the garbage time. Teddy kind of pulled this Jameis Winston yesterday yes. with the three, oh three, God, three. Yes. Like, but you know, really, I love Sutton. But you know, I would take Claypool going forward over Sutton. I love both of them, though. Where you at on that one, Funston? Who would you rather have? It's got to be. No, Sutton. I, I think I would go. No, I think I would go Claypool as well. I'm still in. I, I just, I really can't believe you were Mister Sutton he, in the off in the preseason. I love Cortland Sutton, but I, I'm, I'm once Juju went out, I love Chase Claypool. Like I yeah. just. Man, there's just so much opportunity there. I cannot believe that he did not put up better numbers. I still don't even think that. On Waddle Sunday or night. Claypool? That's actually in the comments. I would take Claypool. I would take Claypool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that is a this good. This is one. like there if is. I had five kids and I had to pick my favorite. Stop giving me all my like. I love all these guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, these are all. I mean, that's uh, that's good though. That's good. That's why we want to talk about these guys along this sort of uh, line of thinking. Chase Claypool. Definitely, the, the perception around the Steelers too should make Claypool much easier to buy than uh, than his talent would suggest, and then the work he's getting would suggest. So, definitely someone I would say to take a look at this week as you are uh, trying to make some moves to improve your teams. All right, guys, let's get to this here. Jake, who lost Week Six? <laughs> Saddle, wide receivers. Uh, it's a lot of people are like. Gino can't be that much worse, Kenny. Uh, you want to rethink that one because, yeah, it's it didn't matter if DK was the number one or if Tyler Lockett was getting a touch downfield. And, yes, the Steelers are a tough defense, but Gino looked awful. Gino looked like he did at times with the New York Giants and eight times we've seen Gino before that. So that's a huge loss. DK is still a wide receiver, too. But that's a loss. He was a locked-in mm-hmm. wide receiver one, even with the down weeks. And Tyler Lockett's now a wide receiver three. I don't really see a big difference between now and when Russell Wilson gets back of Tyler Lockett and Marvin Jones. That's where we're at at this point. So I say the Seattle passing game. Although, interesting enough, I think Gerald, Elver- Gerald Everett is actually a winner <laughs> in that game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was weird. Chris Collinsworth said, I didn't realize Russell Wilson was so valuable to this team. And I yeah, saw what people were like, what? what? What were you doing? Uh, yeah, but they didn't throw the ball deep at all either, which was yeah. like and, and throwing it short. Gino just kept throwing it into uh, Watt's hand. You know, it's like, come on. So, <laughs> yeah, I, unfortunately, as a Seattle fan, I can't disagree with that. I'm going to go with uh, Miles Gaskin as my loser. I talked That's up. Easy. Oh, you know, it was like 10 <laughs> targets last week. Uh, and then, oh, yes. Tua's coming back, and he's always good with Tua. And I was the guy leading that, you know, narrative. And um, and and Brian Flores just, you know, he went back to Malcolm Brown. I didn't think he would do it, and he did. And he went back to Savon Ackman. Now, I don't know if Gaskin got into his doghouse again for something, but he fumbled. Um, he fumbled but they didn't lose the fumble, right? Yeah. Like, no, so. but it's 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 what it's Miles Gaskin in the passing game only. Like when they mm-hmm. faced the Bucks, and I mean, I don't know who's Miami faced next. Who, by the way, declined. They face Atlanta, so feels like another Ahmed. And yeah, why did they but there was opportunities in the pass game for Gaskin in that game, and he just didn't get as many. No, as I mean like I pass happy. Like they get the Bills, yeah. and on Halloween that might be a Miles Gaskin game. That would be one you would look at. Then the Ravens two week later, but then the Texans mixed in there, not him. Jets, not him. So mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what you have to look for. But he's uh, but I uh, that just 
that doesn't jibe with me because he's the best running back all around of that group. He's good in the running game. But it doesn't matter. Better, if it doesn't have to. Right. I know. Yeah, I know. It's I know. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, <laughs> you you want to talk about things not jiving? Let's talk about Urban Meyer using Jamal Agnew over Lavisca Chanel. Like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know. Yes, this Jamal Agnew thing. We're gonna have to, you know, we're have to reckon with this Jamal Agnew character because it keeps happening each it, week. So yeah, and he just seems like he's gonna be part of our fantasy. He's lives. using a five ten former secondary player <laughs> as a as and special two. teamer. I know it's crazy. <laughs> Uh, let's fill in some blanks to end the show, you guys. Let's start with Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders is a what the rest of the season, Jake? That's what he is. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, what Miles Sanders that, is. I think that's I right. Mean, he just doesn't even get touches when he's on the field, and Miles Sanders is the inverse of Gaskin that you want them to be in the lead. And how many games you look at the Eagles' schedule do you think they uh-huh. can? You could point to some and say, hey, you know, this might be the week or whatever. But even when he's on, he was on the field a ton and still not getting involved. He's in, he's an RB3. That's really what it is. He's an RB3. <laughs> you hope he scores. Yeah, he is the one of the first running backs that I will throw in my RB3 after I get my RB2s taken care of in my rankings. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the way it's been like for the weeks. It's like, okay, I got my RB2. Okay, now let's throw our yeah. Miles Sanders in there. And it's because of upside. It's because of talent upside, but it's not because of volume expectations at all. Yeah, and that team's going to be putting him behind the eight ball quite a bit the rest of the season. Funston, Mike Kosicki is a what the rest of the season? Um, Top 10 tight end. Uh ish <laughs> um <laughs> i i don't know that what what else to say about that he's a he's a guy that you have to just put in your lineup now week in and week out um you know and that's and that's that's as good as you can say about a tight end in fantasy football is like yeah. i got i got one of the guys that i don't have to worry about i can just put him in my lineup jake same same feelings oh, I thought I we're going like next one no it's still low end tight end one mostly mm-hmm. because it, you know it, assuming Parker is back, but yeah. you know, as long as if there's only one healthy wide receiver, then he's a top five or six tight end. It just comes yeah. down to who's, who's out there. Yeah. I think we're moving through these quick enough for all you guys, for both of okay. you guys to chime in yeah, on the see. remaining three Henry Ruggs, three catches for 97 yards and a touchdown in the Raiders win in week six. What is he the rest of the season, Jake? He's, I told you so. And that's <laughs> not going to like, I am victory lapping the hell out of Henry Ruggs till the season ends because you know who he is right now with Geno? He is Tyler Lockett right now with Geno Smith at quarterback. Obviously, he's not Tyler Lockett when Russ is at quarterback. Uh But Henry Ruggs, what is his worst week? Like 50-something yards or whatever? He has turned into what they were going to be. He's the number one. And honestly, if you watched that Raiders game yesterday – this coaching change might have unlocked the offense even a little bit more. I don't know. Maybe this the players were really down the week before, but with it's you know they made rugs a priority. They got Edwards more involved, which might be intriguing now that he's on the field more. Uh, but yeah, Henry Ruggs, wide receiver three the rest of the way, which is what the I told you so bold prediction and garbage dumpster diving whatever it was. It, Henry Ruggs <laughs> is happy. Henry Ruggs the third. I was gonna say he is a he is a longest receptions over cash machine. Uh, he he's like <laughs> his longest receptions over under is like twenty three to twenty five every week, and he just goes over it every week. So there you go. You want to make some money? Just bet the over on longest reception, Henry Ruggs. Definitely an intriguing guy from uh, a lot of different points of view. And that is a number that he just seems to pretty much easily surpass every week. Uh, So uh, a guy to be looking at for sure the remainder of the way. Next guy up here scored a touchdown in week six. Funston, A.J. Green, three touchdowns on the season. Seems to have a consistent role in Arizona's passing game. What is he the rest of the year? Mm, He is a is a consistent role i mean i'm just looking i guess he's had two games where he's had 3.5 half ppr fantasy points or less he's still a dice role he's the you know he's maybe the number two sometimes the number three in this offense worthwhile he's a he's a worthwhile um bi-week filler is what i would say there we go there we yeah, go. I'm, oh, I'm, Jake's always trying to get the the blackboard. No, Yours I, I'm, is a getting, blackboard. I'm getting blackboard for the next one. This is uh, okay. AJ, AJ Green is I I guess so for the rest of the <laughs> years. Like, you know, I gotta fill up my wide receiver three or flex, and there's mm-hmm. buys. So okay, I guess so. I guess I'll put AJ Green in. All right, Jake. Let's see the blackboard. Zeke Elliott is what the rest of is, the season is. I guess the the RB three. The RB3 the rest of the season, which is great because in the preseason, having an RB5, I would take Ezekiel Elliott 
over pretty much everybody except for Derrick Henry. And then if we could get one of the healthy <laughs> Christian McCaffrey's or Saquon Barkley's. But it's Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott. And yes, I'm saying in front of Alvin Kamara the rest of the season. Yeah, not really much more to add. We know what Zeke is. Uh, he was my preseason RB3, so things are shaping up well. But uh, I saw Michael Salfino called Jonathan Taylor the best running back in the NFL in his column on Sunday. So um, Hot take Salfino. There hot you take go. Salfino. He just Wisconsin. Like, he, can't, he can't get to the volume that Ezekiel Elliott can get to. That's a problem. Yeah, I mean, you know, Zeke, we, we, we have to accept Tony Pollard as a consistent part of Dallas's offense. But again, yesterday, first of all, this team has scored at least 35 points in four straight games and in five of six games played this season. And then yesterday against the Patriots, even with Tony Pollard having that role, 17 carries for 69 yards, nine targets, caught seven of them for 50 yards. The volume, immense in that Dallas offense, and Zeke is going to get a big chunk of it every single week. As I said, we really haven't talked on this show streaming quarterbacks because, frankly, we haven't really had much of a reason to, but I think it's a great spot to end this episode with quarterbacks to stream in Week 7 to repeat Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert, and Kirk Cousins all on by in Week and 7. And Trevor Lawrence. Throw, yeah, Trevor Lawrence into the mix. No one really cares about Ben Roethlisberger, but he also is on a bye <laughs> in Week 7. So if you have been leaning on one of those guys all season, Jake, who are you looking at to stream in Week 7? Oh, I had three, just in case Funston took one of mine. Uh, all right, Funston, first. first are Funston, are two first. of them in the same game? I'll just say that uh, yes. Tua and Matt Ryan are facing each other. Good <laughs> matchups go. for both of them. So uh, I'm I'm – Planning on getting one of these two quarterbacks in a league where I have Russell Wilson and him in the streams, and those are my top two targets. And then my third was going to be fill in the blank because it was going to be Washington quarterback against Green <laughs> Bay because yeah. you know still no Alexander, uh-huh. and as we've seen, if Justin Fields can look good against Green Bay, and I know Heineke was just a very popular stream against Kansas City, and a lot of people will be worried about that, but I still think that'd be a good matchup to go against Green Bay, and if Fitzpatrick's back, it's him. So, yeah, yeah, those were two. It was Matt Ryan and Tua going against each other. If you really want to roll the dice, Jameis against Seattle coming out of the bye. (laughs) Michael Thomas should be back. There you go. There you go. Yeah, really nothing to say about that, right? I mean, uh, it's uh, been a defense that has been friendly so long as the quarterback has an arm that can push the ball downfield, <laughs> unlike what we saw from Ben Roethlisberger in that game on Sunday night. That's going to do it, you guys, for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. You still have a couple of days to get that 50% off subscription. Go to theathletic.com slash fantasyfootballpod to get it. For Jake Seeley, Brandon Funston, I am Michael Beller. For those of you who still need something good to happen for you on Monday night between the Bills and the Titans to get yourself a victory, We've got our fingers crossed. We are cheering for you. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's get those wins and be ready to join us all rest of the week. we got a full jam-packed schedule on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. 